I get the privilege, this is the final message for the year, our final Curate at Home for the year, my final preach, and um, it's just a real privilege to be able to bring us all the way home into the Christmas season. This is week four of Advent, and we're going to be focusing in particular um, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, um, the birth of Jesus foretold. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph from the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this would be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore... The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And we'll leave it there. I think because we know the whole Christmas story, we know about this long-awaited Saviour, and when it's Christmas time, there's kind of this magical kind of, you know, air about the nativity and about the birth of Christ. And I think in that, we can miss just how remarkable um, the response of Mary was. You've got to remember Mary had a little bit of context for this interaction with this angel, but not a lot. Um, they knew that they were waiting um, for a Messiah to come that would be um, that would one day bring the people of Israel um, back into its fullness. There was going to be um, a fulfillment of the prophets. And though there was um, a prophecy of a virgin birth, it wasn't widely taught that, hey, one day, one lucky virgin's going to be walking around and an angel's going to appear to her and he's going to tell her that she's going to be the one that would um, conceive um, through God and would be carrying the Son of God and would raise him as her own. And so poor Mary, out of the blue, this angel Gabriel stands before her and he, and he says to her that she is going to conceive a son. And he said to her, um, he calls her favoured. And I just wonder if in that moment she's thinking, okay, how does favoured and a child out of wedlock, how does this coexist together? See, God had brought her a pretty out there situation. Uh, she would have known that being pregnant outside of wedlock, you had the risk of stoning, um, rejection from her family, from her community, from her fiance, which nearly happened. We see that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and it says that Joseph was a just man, and so he was going to divorce her quietly. Um, and so this almost happened, but God intervened and gave him a dream and said, no, um, this, this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, you're to marry her, to raise him as your own, to give him the name Jesus. And so at this point, before she gives um, her response, she really didn't know what would happen, though she definitely knew the risks. And so she asked this clarifying question. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? 
And Gabriel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, will be called holy, the Son of God. And there's her answer. Uh, it will happen when she was unwed and there will be the risk of stoning and rejection and shame. And so I think when we bring that together and when we remember that, um, it's amazing to see her stunning response, her response of faith, of courage, of surrender, of trust, that staring down all that could go wrong, she says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And she became the first carrier of Christ in this world. And what is just as mysterious, or perhaps even more so than that, is that Christ lives and grows in us. That wherever we go, we actually carry Christ with us as followers of Jesus. And I think before we can talk about Christ in us, which I'm really looking forward to talking about, first we have to understand that first it was, we are in Christ. See, um, Christ in us is only possible because we first are in Christ. See, we aren't good enough and big enough alone to house Christ within us, but it's only when we first are in Him that He is able to dwell in us. It says in John chapter 15, verse 4 to 5, Jesus said, remain in me, or in some translations, he says, abide in me, and I will remain in you. I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Remain in me and I will remain in you. What a promise. What a promise of God. What a promise of Jesus. I will remain in you. Christ in us. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. So it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live is in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I remember when I was little and I was in church in Sunday school and they offered um, an invitation for us to invite Jesus into our heart. And I remember, I don't know how old I was, I must have been around six, seven, eight. I remember inviting Jesus into my heart for the first time. And I remember liking that he was there, enjoying that Jesus was in my heart. But I do remember not being able to reconcile that he would remain in my heart um, when I wasn't good. Um, I more imagined like a door and Jesus coming and going rather than that remaining that Jesus spoke of. Uh, a couple of years ago, one of my good friends, she had um, checked her kids into our Curate Kids 
and um, one of them who was four, um, just this amazing kid who threw the most spectacular tantrums um, you could ever imagine, probably because he's a leader, creative genius, he's going to do something awesome to change the world, but um, you know, raising those world changes are pretty tough when they're toddlers, and um, so he, he would just throw these amazing tantrums, he was known for it, and she was telling me how that Sunday, um, he had invited Jesus into his heart and he had kind of responded to that call. And she said they couldn't believe it. It was like this whole week, um, they kept waiting for the tantrums to come, things that he would usually lose it over, he wasn't losing it over. And even his siblings noticed the change. And so they were often talking about, wow, how amazing, like Jesus is in your heart. And then she said about a week later, um, all of a sudden he started to really lose it, to really throw one of the biggest tantrums they had ever seen. And she said, oh, what about Jesus? You know, Jesus in your heart. And apparently he just went, Jesus is gone. He is gone. And the whole family was like, no, come back, Jesus, come back. Um, but what I've realized is through a lot of reading and through personal experience of being somebody who tries her best but still falls short is that our default, um, our default is to go back to earning God's love and therefore um, even earning His presence, feeling like we can only be worthy of His presence when we have somehow earned it, when we have done the right things. And I want to read a, um, a quote from um, this book called Prodigal God by Timothy Keller, which, oh guys, if you don't have a summer read, please read it. It's incredible. And he was speaking of how Christ um, can grow within us, about Christ in us and how he grows within us. And this is what he said. He said, religion operates on the principle of I obey, therefore I am accepted by God. But the basic operating principle of the gospel is, I am accepted by God through the work of Jesus Christ, therefore I obey. As we have seen, believing the gospel is how a person first makes a connection with God. It gives us a new relationship with God and a new identity. But we must not think, however, that once believing it, the Christian is now finished with the gospel message. A fundamental insight of Martin Luther was that religion is the default mode of the human heart. And so Luther goes on to say that even after you are converted by the gospel, your heart will go back to operating on other principles unless you deliberately set it to gospel mode. <laughs> deliberately and repeatedly set it to gospel mode. And so why does truly and deeply believing in the gospel matter when it comes to Christ dwelling in us? Because I think if we don't get that, if we don't truly get the gospel and that we are only made worthy by Christ alone, we will stay immature in our faith, believing that Jesus will come and go from us depending on whether we are worthy or not. So we have to walk by faith in this. We really do. We have to walk by faith in this and not by sight because by sight, what we see, we see our faults. And as human beings, I've noticed we are more likely to be staring right down the barrel of our faults than to be staring down the barrel of our strengths. 
And so if we walk by sight in this, we will see our faults. And it's pretty hard to believe that Jesus would gladly remain within us when all we're seeing is our faults. And so we have to instead walk by faith. And as it says in Ephesians 3.17, that so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It requires faith to believe that Jesus would remain in our hearts by faith in this redeeming work of Christ so that we can confidently and um, with confidence relate to Christ in us, whether we feel worthy or not, He's there. He said, I will remain in you if you remain in me. That's a pretty big promise. And so whether we feel worthy or not, He's saying, I will remain, whether you feel it or not, whether you feel worthy or not, in your mistakes and your failure, I will remain in you if you remain in me. Man, I think of Mary and I think as she's carrying Jesus, as he's growing and as he's forming inside of her, man, I, I bet there were moments when hormones kicked in, you know, and she said things that she didn't mean. Um, I just wonder if she felt so unworthy to carry um, Christ within her. Um, but by faith, she continued to carry him. Believing again what the angel said to her, do not be afraid, you have found favor with God. And I believe those same words could be spoken to us today in our mistakes and in our failure and in our sin. Um, don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid, you have found favor with God, Christ in you. Christ is in you. I mean, that alone, I could, just, I could just stop right there. Christ in you. How remarkable is it that we carry him wherever we go? And, you know, this matters. It matters that we get it. It matters that we get it because if we overlook this truth and if we don't embrace fully that Christ is in us, we actually block the great source of spiritual strength and power and goodness that we have in us that comes from Christ within us. We block the flow of His power, of His goodness. So the kingdom, He brought the kingdom of God wherever He went. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and then He demonstrated it. He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind. He set those that were oppressed by demons. He, he set them free. He brought the good news to the poor. He brought comfort and encouragement. He raised the dead to life. So He proclaimed the good news of God, the kingdom of God, and He demonstrated it. And that same power is actually within us and we block that block that flow when we don't um, fully embrace that Christ is within us. Christ is within us. I will remain in you if you remain in me. Man, when we embrace this truth, we will find Jesus bringing life, um, bringing life to places within us that really need life. He'll start bringing strength when we are weak and He'll start bringing grace when we fall short. There's this flow, there's this ease when we truly embrace Christ within us. 
And you know, I pray that all of you who feel so unworthy and feel too unclean to have the Son of God who is good and perfect in every way dwell within you, I pray that you would be encouraged. I pray that you would let shame fall away. I pray that you would know that you have found favor with God. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Would you be encouraged and know that that you can trust in Jesus, that you can put your faith in the good works of Christ. And in that alone, um, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. New life. We can birth new life into all different places, into all different areas of our life when Christ is within us. So as, as Mary, as uh, she went about her life, as Jesus was forming, and growing in her, um, eventually she gave birth to this new life and brought this new life of Jesus into the world. And, you know, the same actually happens with us spiritually. That as Christ forms and he grows in us, uh, we birth new life into this world. We birth new life into our world. We can, as Christ grows and he forms in us, we can birth new life into our work, new life into our relationships, new life into our art, into our music, into our prayers, into our marriage, into the way we relate with others. New life can be birthed from us as Christ grows and forms within us and that sounds so nice eh? like bringing new life into new into different areas of our life like it sounds like there's this like joy and this ease oh bringing new life uh, but here's what I know people can die in their sleep uh, but you cannot give birth in your sleep um, and I'm just gonna say that from experience um, of having four children um, it's called laboring for a reason. Uh, you labor, you breathe through the pain. I mean, you hold on to dear life, to the person's hand that is supporting you, and whether you break their fingers or not in the process, it doesn't matter, so be it. You are laboring, you are bringing new life into the world. And man, it's been a big year, eh? It's been a big year. It's been a really big year. It's been a year of stretching. It's been a year of growing. It's been a year of trials. James verse one to two says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I mean, would you just let these words sink in to you right now? It says, when your faith is tested, and it, this has been a big year, I think all of us, our faith has been tested. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let it grow. Growth hurts. 
Growth Hurts, I was helping one of my sons who just was growing so much this year and he had all these growth pains in his legs. Growth hurts, there's stretch marks happen when we grow, but let's not be found in this time focusing only on the pain that comes with growth, but let's be instead expectant of what good and godly things we are making room for in the growth. And let our response be to God in this time. Let it be like the response of Mary, who says, Behold, I am your servant, which means you are my master, which means you, you decide. I'm your servant. I'm just here to serve you. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Grow in me, God what you want to grow in me, remove from me, Lord, um, that which brings you no glory. Um, when we, this is what really blows me away about Mary. I mean, many things do, but I bet when she, when God told her, okay, you're gonna have the son and he's gonna be like the son of God, she's probably thinking, okay, fine, like I trust, and you can see that in her response, amazing trust. And she's probably, I mean, if I was in her position, I'd be thinking, cool, God will provide. Um, and then she's out there and she's like, okay, I'm in labor. This hurts. There's a lot of growing going on. There's a lot of pain. Um, I, I'm giving birth to new life. Um, okay, this is pretty tough. All right. Um, I keep getting turned away here. Um, it's looking like there's no place yet to, to labor. And then finally they find somewhere and it's not ideal. It's like a barn. Um, but I would have thought if I was Mary, you would think, but, but he'll provide a midwife. He'll provide something. You know, Mary would have grown up watching women give birth um, with a midwife and with the community of women around them, their mothers, their aunties, their sisters. They would gather around to help them bring new life into the world, especially your first birth. And here's Mary so young and she's probably thinking, okay, he's provided this barn, the stable, that's all right. Um, and just wondering where the midwife is. Have you ever thought about that? And there she is just with this young guy bringing Jesus, the Son of God, into the world. And, you know, when we're bringing new life into the world, um, it, it can feel lonely. Maybe you're, you're trying to, like you've been growing, God's been growing um, stuff in you and you're wanting to, you're bringing new life into your marriage and, and you feel like you're alone in it or you're trying to bring new life into your workplace or into whatever it is and, and you can feel really alone in that. I think we could take great um, encouragement from Mary that, um, that incredible, he didn't provide that midwife, but he was so there with her so that she would wholly and fully rely on him and trust him as this new life was brought into the world. And hey, look, it has been a really big year and I don't know what God has been wanting to birth in you, new life in you. Maybe he's wanting to birth in you a new way of relating with him. Maybe a new way of relating with him that is um, just so not religious and is so not about earning, but is just so understands, he wants you to understand the love of God completely, that you would relate to him with this new level of sonship or daughtership. Um, maybe he's wanting to birth in you 
a new way of relating with others in your life. Maybe he's wanting to birth new dreams in you. Hey, I don't know what it is, but I do believe in the stretching and in the growing. It's not for nothing. That it's in that that God grows and that Jesus forms within us and that he um, brings this new life um, into our life. I want to finish again with John chapter 15, 1 verse 8. Remember about Christ in us and us in him. This is in John 15, 1 verse 8, um, 1 to 8. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Hey, maybe that's what he's doing at the moment. And he prunes every, all the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. So remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything that you want and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my, my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are not only with us, but that you would actually dwell within us. You, Jesus, who are good, who is perfect, who is without blemish, you would dwell within us. And I thank you, God, that it is only, only by your grace, and it is only through our faith in what you have accomplished on the cross that we can truly understand and embrace this true um, mysterious and miraculous um, promise, God, that you would remain in us. And so, Jesus, we invite you in this time, birth in us what you want to birth in us. Grow in us, Jesus. Be formed in us. And I pray, Lord, that even in the stretch and in the growing and in the pain, God, I pray that we wouldn't just focus on that, but we would focus on what you are forming within us. We will focus on the space that we are creating for you to work whatever it is that you want to work in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for every single person tuning in today. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, would you bless them above and beyond anything they could dream or imagine. God, would you bless their families. God, would you bless their relationships. God, would you bless their health. God, would you bless this time as they wait and as they bring their attention on you. May this Christmas be one of unexpected blessing. And God, I pray that we would fully be able to understand through your spirit just how wonderful it is that you dwell within us. Bless you, Lord. We love you. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have an amazing rest of the year, and I will see you next year in 2022.